are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. What a blessing to be here on a Sunday. I haven't been here on a Sunday in some time, and it gives me, uh, affords me an opportunity. 2 Samuel 23, really easy to find. It's right after 2 Samuel 22. <laughs> it affords me an opportunity to say thank you, North Valley Baptist Church. Next Sunday will be 36 years ago we started our church, had our very first service. Started in the Grange Hall building in Anderson, California and had our first service there. Had no land, no building, no people, no money. My wife and I, we had three children at the time when we held our first service. The night that I graduated from Bible college, our school gave Brother Treber an honorary doctorate. I heard him preach in our chapel and our schools. Then to come out here and then to know that North Valley Baptist Church was near us was a great comfort. Now, dear people, listen. I know you host conferences and functions here. You have this college, of course, um, which you've uh, allowed me uh, to teach at for these uh, 25 years now. Um, I want you to know, North Valley, how much I appreciate you for your influence on our church. In the early days, we came here for, we've been to all the pastors' conferences. We came here so those pastors' conferences that are such a pain in the neck, I know because you have to put up with all these preachers around here and folks that come to your place. And that um, has been such a powerful help to us. Now for these many years, we, we close our school and our offices and um, bring our staff here for pastors' conference. We want the influence of this place. Then our young people come here for youth conference, have all the years that you've held youth conference. Just all the many different things. And this year, several of our young folks will come to the college, and this is the college that we recommend. I know they say that there are other good colleges, and I'm sure that there are. This is just the one we recommend. And everything with the exception of one of your faculty members, I, I, I highly recommend it. But you have to have Brother Ray here. You can't help that. So. <laughs> You have to deal with, you have to understand, Brother Ray's been through tough things in life. He has. I was telling Pastor Knight, he injured himself this couple weeks ago, hit his face. He, he sneezed and hit his head on the ground. And <laughs> but the influence of the college and the opportunity, you know, several of our staff members are from Golden State. I don't understand preachers who go to colleges who are not like what they're supposed to be to get people who work for them. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, the staff members you have sent us have been great men, have been a big blessing and a help. Just, just people, I know that. You, you fund all of these things. You, you do the work. You, 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 uh, you're, the, you're the nuts and bolts behind it all. Not emphasis on the nuts now. But it, you're, the, you're the workers, the laborers. Good night. Uh, it has been my privilege to be here from through all your buildings, uh, the tents, the buildings, the, all the stuff that you've done. I've been to services where you're raising money to buy plywood and drywall and 
all those sorts of things, just myriads of things that are done that this church has done that has influenced our church and many other churches too, by the way, for the cause of Christ, for what's right. I just want to say thank you. I, I say thank you from the bottom of my heart and how much I appreciate what this church means to me personally. Pastor has been a friend of mine, been friendly to me and a kind to me over all of these years. He is my pastor. I call him for counsel, advice, and count on him for help and direction in my life. And so thank you, North Valley Baptist Church. 2 Samuel 23 and verse 11. Now we've got to get to this auction so you can buy dessert. <laughs> now folks, you say, oh, I wasn't planning on going. Change your plans. You say, oh, it's a fundraiser. You can get dessert. <laughs> say, I'm on a diet. You can get dessert. <laughs> say, I don't need the calories. You can get dessert. Okay, 2 Samuel 23. <laughs> oh, you people on diets, God help you, honestly. Why are you so lean being a son of the king? That's the only place in the Bible where skinny shows up. That's it. 17 verses on fat in the Bible, not one verse about being skinny. Thank you, Alvin, wherever you were, I heard that. There he is. I was, it looked like he was losing weight. Is he losing weight? No. He is. We need Alvin up in our area because we need more shade. It's so hot up there. So we, <laughs> we'd appreciate <laughs> You folks, it's hot today here, isn't it? Isn't it hot? <laughs> no. It's 110 in Reading today. 110. The, the, the farmers are out there feeding the chickens crushed ice or else they deliver hard boiled eggs. It's 110. <laughs> You pull potatoes out of the ground, they're already baked. It's 110. Seat belt buckles turn into branding irons. It's 110. The trees whistle for the dogs. It's 110, okay? My wife loves it when I use that one. That's one of her favorites. Right. 2 Samuel 23, verse 11. Since we're changing text and sermons, I want you to stand up one more time, please. Ooh, we got to be out of here pretty quick, so I'm going to move fast. Second Samuel. Now, hopefully, this is the sermon Pastor mentioned. I, I tried to preach at Pastor's conference, and you turned the lights off on me. Well, as soon as they went out, I thought, am I supposed to be done? I, but I was only two-thirds of the way through the message, so I thought, we'll just go on and finish it. So we'll try it again tonight. Second Samuel 23, verse 11. After him was, after him was Shammah, the son of A.G., the Hirite. And the Philistines were gathered together into troop. Where there, where was a piece of ground full of lentils. Those are beans, by the way. And the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. The sermon title is Battling for a Bean Field. Doesn't it amaze you a guy would risk his life over a bean field? By the way, by himself over a bean field against an army, but a bean field. Now, come on, a bean field. People, look at me. You ever hear somebody say, you fundamentalists, you always make a big deal out of the minor emphases of the doctrine of the Bible. You always make a big deal of everything. You know, we, we hear that sometimes about our parenting. I think maybe we're too strict. 
I think maybe we're making too much out of things. And by the way, when we talk about this, you know, you hear people say, well, you, you fundamentalists, you know, you have these beliefs and doctrines and you major on the minor doctrines. Now, we all know that there are doctrines in the Bible that have greater priority of others, you know, like salvation. That would be top of the list. Would you agree? Prayer life, walk with God, you know, those. Okay, I got that. But I wasn't aware there was any such thing in the Bible as a minor doctrine. If it's in the Bible, it's important. And if it's a principle of the Christian life, then it's important. Now, where its place of importance is, is according to biblical priorities and that sort of thing. However, if it's in the word of God, then it should be something we, we have put into our lives and live by. I think we as fundamentalists have got to stop saying, well, in our brand of Christianity or in our camp or in the way we do. Now, look at me, people. Look at me. Independent, fundamental, Baptist, biblical, principle, life and living is according to the word of God. We didn't invent this stuff. Hey, it's not our version. It's what the Bible teaches. So it's not just our stripe. And I, I know sometimes we can use that maybe to clarify some issues, but I, I'm hearing it too much now. And people are, make it sound like we invented what it is to be an independent fundamental Baptist. We are independent fundamental Baptist because it's biblical. You say, well, you make it sound like the other Christians and their beliefs are not biblical. Uh, yeah. You got a problem with that? What, what's the problem? Look, you're, you're looking at, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old hippie from the 60s, born and raised in California. I walk into an independent fundamental Baptist church. You didn't think I thought those people were from another planet? Huh? Raised in public school, went to public school all my life. I was a hippie from the 60s. I walk into an independent fundamental Baptist church. You think that just, I thought, oh, this is wonderful. I just sit there and I thought, what? What are these people? What is this guy? And what is this all about? I thought it was their version of the Christian life. We don't all have a different version of the Christian life. There is what the Bible teaches and then there's what people either do to follow what the Bible teaches or they adapt their life and the Bible to the way they wanna live. So let's stop saying this is just, you know, well, that's our particular stripe of belief and practice. We are following the word of God. And this bean field thing tonight, this man Shammah, he comes and he stands in a field of lentils and he defends it against an army. And I was reading that one day and I thought to myself, good night, this man is risking, he's risking his life over a bean field. Sound like he made an issue out of something most people would consider not important. Battling for a bean field. Father, bless us tonight. Help us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Battling for a bean field. Does it not strike you that this man would defend a bean field? Have you heard someone say that we major on minors or that we're making a big deal out of lesser important doctrines? Now, whenever you hear that statement, ladies and gentlemen, don't back up, don't back down, don't cow down, don't turn around, don't ask yourself, well, maybe we are. No, no, no. 
if it's in the word of God, it matters. Because consider where this bean field is here, please, tonight. It is in the promised land, and the Philistines have taken it away from the people of God. And a man of God comes and stands in that bean field because he realizes this is part of God's territory, this is part of God's land, this is part of the promised land, and someone's got to stand and take that stand and do what's the right thing. But it's a bean field, folks. Some truths and beliefs and practices have a place of greater priority than others, but if it is in the Bible, last time I checked it, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, that's still in the Bible. All scripture, every bit of it, all of it, from Genesis to the Revelation, is the inspired and erring infallible word of God, and it's all important then. So there, each one has its place of importance. Any point of doctrine, belief, or practice that's in the word of God then becomes important. Consider this. Daniel purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king meat, king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. So Daniel purposes in his heart he's not going to do that. He just risked his life on a dietary law. Look at me. A dietary law. That if you look it up in the Bible about the meat, doesn't say it was even pork, it was just whatever it was, I don't know what it was. But he just, he's about to risk his life on a dietary law that's not mentioned a great deal in the Bible. And the wine which the king drank is mentioned some, but not a great deal. He just risked his life. And captives, Daniel is a captive. He is taken to Babylon. He is standing up against the world's greatest empire as a young man. Look here, 19 or 20 years old. Daniel was a millennial for his day. And Daniel's about to risk his life on a dietary law and tell captors, You're, I'm not going to eat that. Now, we know he did it with a right spirit. And we know that he requested of the prince of the eunuchs. However he did it, he said, I'm not not eating this and I'm not going to drink that and he risked it on a dietary law now listen to me carefully and it's Daniel taking his stand because he knew that it was part of the word of God and he thought if I start giving ground here I'll never stop and we'll come back to that in a moment the truth of the matter is ladies and gentlemen when parents say you know and it's always when the kid becomes teenagers the kid becomes a teenager. When he's a child, you have no problem telling him where to go, what to do, how to sit, how to dress, how to act, the way to talk, everything else. And then when they become teenagers, all of a sudden they get a little, they get a little what my oaky people would call spizzerinkum. See, what is that? I don't know. I think it means they're a little, they're a little you know, fired up about something maybe. I, I'm not sure. My, my Oki people, how many from Oklahoma out there? Good. And you know the truth of the matter, you got a couple of Okies out there? Let me see your ears. I can tell you for Oki by your ears. You got ears so big you look like a taxi cab going down the street with both doors open. That's what you tell Oki. <laughs> my Okies got, ex my Oki people have expressions. My grandmother used to say, that guy looks like he's as happy as a dead pig in the sunshine. <laughs> he's a kid, I thought. Why would a dead pig be happy about anything we're going to say? Then he sees this guy walk, she sees this guy walking down the street. Long doing it. And she said, he walks like a burnt toad chicken. Never seen a burnt toad chicken. Don't know what they walk like, but if I ever see a guy walking, I go, burnt toad chicken. You know, the truth is, my, my Oki people have these expressions about things. And the truth of the matter is they get this idea that somehow or another what you're supposed to do and take your stand means you're supposed to make a big deal out of little things. It all matters, you see. Daniel, you understand, Daniel gets to that place in his life where he says he will not defile himself. If it's in the Bible, it matters. 
And then in our, our parenting, we get to teenage years and the kid starts to show himself a little spizzerinctum. He shows himself a little, little spicy and starts to say, well, you know, I'm not so sure, Dad, that I agree with all that. Or maybe it's the girl. And she says, well, I'm not so sure I, I believe everything. And I'm, you know, I'm just trying to figure out what I believe. Now, Mom and Dad, look at this preacher. Ain't no 14-year-old that deep. Or a 16-year-old. When they do that, you just look at them and say, look, what we believe is what the Bible says. If you don't agree with that, say it to me, but say it carefully and with respect. Say it, I don't believe the Bible. Don't say you don't agree with me. It's about the Bible. It's not about me and it's not about the, it's about the Bible. And by the way, son, if we rated your knowledge of the terms of, uh, of the word of God in terms of gasoline, you couldn't drive an ant's go-kart around the inside of a Cheerio one time without stopping for gas twice anyway. So don't give me that stuff about what you're thinking. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, what happens to us when we think, you know, well, after all, I guess we could give in on this. No, 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 Shama battled for a bean field because it was the people of God's bean field. It was the possession of God. It was that right place. Battling for a bean field, number two is this. Consider who's now in this bean field. Look at verse 11. The Philistines had gathered in it. Those are the sworn enemies of God. When God's people, listen, when God's people vacate where they should be, look here, and what they should be, the enemy always takes over. You give ground, you don't get it back. Any Christian will not hold to the places God has them for. I guarantee you there's trouble coming. You, you, you have to understand something, ladies and gentlemen. We, we look at the world today and we say, man, this world is messed up. Come on, some of you folks have been around for a while. Could you imagine that we would see thrown in our face now, not just in places of dark corners and now thrown in, thrust into our faces, lifestyles and choices and beliefs and practices that are not only now accepted, but legal and expected. You, you wouldn't have seen that 30, 40 years ago. And we look at that and we think, man, this world's a mess. The world's always been a mess. Do you know why they are more aggressive in taking ground from us? It's because we're giving it up. We're backing off, we're backing down. We got too much of this compromising attitude in our thinking. We got too much backing off in our thinking. We're out there trying to win the world to ourselves instead of win the world to Jesus Christ. And we're, we're pulling back on the salt and the light and what happens? Corruption and darkness take over. The truth is the reason the world's not right is because we're not what we ought to be because we're giving ground. You give ground, the enemy takes over. Come on, you folks, listen now, you parents. You think, well, you know, my son needs to play sports because that'll be good for him. Now, sports is okay. It's better than video games. Seriously, I was walking to the gym last year or so in our, our schools, and our boys are out there playing around, pushing and shoving each other and stuff like that, and they were doing like this. I thought, that's disgusting. They weren't fighting. But they were like, you know, what boys would do. But they're doing like this. Oh, watch it, man. <laughs> My grandmother could whoop that kid. She'd been dead for 10 years. You gotta be kidding me. So I went to our head usher, and he's the third or fourth degree black belt in karate. I said, Mo, you gotta go in there and teach these boys how to punch, how to defend themselves. They get jumped by an 85 year old homeless woman, they're gonna get whooped. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> But all of them, they know how to play video games. 
Some of your dads need to get a little growing up too. You know, video games, you think your thumbs are bigger than your neck from playing video games all the time. We, it's insane. Here's what happens. We, we think, you know, we, our kid, our, my boy needs to play sports. Okay, but now why is it it has to be on a Wednesday night? I'm sorry, is this working? Test one, two, test one, two. Why does it have to be on a Wednesday night? Why? It's, I watch dads who think their son is going to become a professional athlete. Seriously? Look at me. Uh-uh. Isaiah Thomas, of basketball hall of fame, played point guard for the Detroit Pistons, was talking to a bunch of young guys one day, and he said, gentlemen, you have as much chance of becoming a professional basketball player as you do running through the jungle in your underwear and not get bit by a mosquito. He said, it ain't going to happen. The truth of the matter is, and I'll think on that illustration, it'll help you. The truth of the matter is, it's insane. Man, a lot of these guys who are pushing their kids into sports are trying to relive their sports days through their children. But if it takes you away from where you ought to be and what you ought to be, that's not, you're going to give ground. You're never going to get that back now without a fight on your hands. You give ground and the enemy takes over. Figure it out. Think about what is in your life now that wasn't even just a year ago. That's carnal, worldly, fleshly. You let it in because you gave ground. Shama sees this and says, I'm going to stand in this bean field because the enemy is taking it over and we've got to get it back. You vacate, the enemy takes over. You battle for the bean field because you have to consider what others have done. Verse 11, the people fled from the Philistines. When we declare things as lesser of minor doctrines and all that kind of stuff, it always leads to defeat. By the way, it always tells you that that person is about to give it up. You declare something a minor doctrine right before you decide you're going to get rid of that doctrine in your life. Well, this thing about music in our churches, I mean, come on, there's, let's acknowledge that there are different styles of worship. Get ready, the worship team's coming next. Watch it now, watch it. It's just a different way of doing things. And it, you know, it's appealing to some people. Haven't we figured it out by now living in California that things appeal to folks that we really shouldn't have as a part of our living? Don't you understand what happens here when you decide that, 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 that when people back up, defeat and retreat have no stopping place? That's why, mom and dad, when you start giving in to your kids because they say, well, I just think we're too strict. I think there's just too much going on. I just don't understand why we can't have this. I don't get what we're doing. As soon as you start to back down and you let your kids take over the house, you can't stop that. There's no stopping compromise. There's nowhere to stop it. That's why Shammah is battling for a bean field. You say, but it does, it's just a bean field. Yeah, but you know what? It was a good place to stop the bean field. You know why Daniel wouldn't eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine? Because Daniel saw the name change. Daniel saw the heathen gods. Daniel saw what Babylon was going to try to do to him. And Daniel said this, you know what? I better stop it now or I'll never be able to stop it. It'll just keep going. You give in on the dress standards, you'll never stop that. Never. You'll never stop that. There's no way to stop it. You give it on music, you'll never stop that. You give it on the friends, you give it on the wrong associations, it'll never stop. And by the way, what's good for the teenagers is good for mom and dad too. We're trying to make too much peace with this world in which we live. Last time I, last time I checked, I love not the world still in the Bible. Neither the things that are in the world goes right along with that. And here's what we're doing. We're trying to make peace and live in a world so we don't, quote, unquote, stand out in what we are and what we do. Well, folks, 
If you're just decent, moral, and honest, you're gonna stand out. You cannot give away ground to the devil, the world, and the flesh because you can't stop that. Battling for a bean field becomes a stopping place. So when they say, well, you, you fundamentalists, you're just so, you're so rigid. You're just so inflexible. My favorite one, you're so judgmental. And my answer is always the same. Don't judge me for judging. Yeah. Look at me. Yeah. Well, you're being so critical. Don't criticize my criticism. It's ridiculous. A couple of these little greasy boys, in so-called fundamental types of a different stripe. There's only one stripe, bro, just one. And they're saying, but that's a problem, Brother Johnson. Why I'm not really interested in you old school guys anymore. You're, you're judgmental and you're critical. And I always say, you're being judgmental of my judgmentalism and you're being critical of my criticism. And don't you see why it's not, don't you see that you're doing the very same thing? Why? Because you do it with a smile and a goatee and a Jiffy Loop hairdo and a pair of tight britches on you so stinking bad you look like two burnt toothpicks sticking out of a baked potato that somehow or another that looks better on you than me. And you do it with a smile and I do it like this. Does it make any difference? What? How do, you, how do you come to biblical belief and practice and stay with it for 40 years? How do you do that? You know what? You don't give ground. Well, Pastor Johnson, if we would just kind of tone it down a little bit. No, no, no. Last time, I know this is a little theologically deep, but stay with me. The word of God is quick and powerful and in what church? Sharper. Then it took, hey, that ain't a butter knife, bro. That's, that's sharp. That means it has an edge to it. So when they say you guys are a little edgy, I always say, thank you. That's a compliment. We're edgy. And we get really edgy about things. I know sometimes we drop an atom bomb and a BB gun would have worked, but it's still effective. And I'll tell you what, you get more attention with an atom bomb than you do with a BB gun. And, and the truth, though, airsoft, you know, boop, that, that's ridiculous. The truth of the matter is, come up to Reading, we'll help you out. Brother Lewis, where are you at, Brother Lewis? Brought, them, brought those guys in the tour group up there, we took them out, took them shooting. <laughs> One boy shot a chair. <laughs> Wasn't aware that was a target, but whatever. Uh, and it was, never mind. The truth is, dear people, see, you think, well, I like a lot of things about this church, it's just those those edgy things I'm not real crazy about. Welcome to a biblical church. Rather than those compromising, pussyfoot, near tickling, back scratching, nickel nipping, half stepping, sob soaping, pink tea and lemonade reverendettes who stand up there, aim at nothing and hit it every Sunday and do it with an open shirt and one hair on their chest. The truth of the matter is, don't you think it's just better for us to stay a little edgy? Don't you understand, ladies and gentlemen, that what happens here is when you give ground, the enemies take over and when you back down, you take others with you. John chapter 17, John said, uh, Peter said, I go fishing. Six other guys, we go with you. Now James and John were with them, they were fishermen. Those other guys were not fishermen. He quits and takes a bunch of fellows with him. You always do. And when you give ground, there isn't any place to stop and say, oh, well, we're not gonna go any further than that. We're just gonna do this, but nothing else. And those kids are gonna look at you. Uh, by the way, the world will look at you and say, I thought you were a Christian. 
It's, it's, it, sometimes it amazes me that the world has a better understanding of the Christian life than some Christians that I know. Consider what others have done. Number next, consider where you battle. We didn't notice in verse 11, he stood in the midst of the ground. He stood in the midst of the ground. You battle for a bean field by getting in the middle of the ground. Shama stood by himself in the middle, in the center of where he was supposed to be. He is declaring no more and leaving himself no retreat. People don't like it when you take your stand. Some people will not like it. Some people will. But I wasn't in this for a popularity contest. That's one of the things that's messed with our minds from social media. People think we have to get the likes of something before we do it. How many likes did you get on this? How many likes did you get on that? It's like silly. It's like being in a sandbox. Do you like me? I like you. If you don't like me, I like you. Do you like me? I like you. If you like me, do you like me? I like you. Do you like me? I like you. I like you too then. You know, it's ridiculous. The truth is, dear people, don't you understand? (laughs) You're supposed to get in the middle of where you're supposed to be. Hey, look here. Not on the edge of Christianity. Well, I go to North Valley Baptist Church, but there are just some things there that I'm really not in total agreement with. Now, here's the, here's the wonderful thing. You happen to have the most gracious pastor on this planet. Seriously. I, I try to be around him as much as I can so I can get as much of what he is rubbed off on me. And I'm sorry, preacher, that it hasn't worked, okay? <laughs> I, I try. The, tru- the truth is, see, we want to know how, co- that's why people say, well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with my music? What's wrong with my clothes? What's wrong with my friends? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Why don't they ever ask us what's right with something? That would be nice. You know why they say what's, well, they want to know what's wrong with something? They want to know how close to wrong they can be and still be right. Rather than finding out. I see righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, has a little stronger meaning to it than kind of getting around to it. Righteousness in the Bible means an absolute commitment and dedication to the thing that is right to do, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. We wonder why we can't get our priorities in order and keep them in order because we're trying to figure out how to do some wrong and put it together with right and mix them together and blend them in the way they're supposed to be. Years ago, a man came to our church named John Pelega. John Pelega was one of those guys, you ever heard someone say, boy, when God made him, he broke the mold. John Pelega was this. God broke the mold and then he made John Pelega. Guy was a mess. He made sergeant three times in Vietnam. I said, how'd he do that? He, I asked him, I said, how'd you do that, Brother John? He said, well, I kept shooting the wrong people. <laughs> the stupid lieutenants, they didn't know what they were doing. They'd lead us into an ambush. We're about to get killed. I'd take him for a walk in the jungle. He wouldn't come back. He <laughs> shot First time he visits our church on a Wednesday night. We have a business meeting. First time in a business meeting in our church that Wednesday night. We, I said, all in favor, aye, all opposed. Two guys, no. It's the first time we ever have somebody vote against something in a business meeting. Plague is a visitor. He just looks, hmm. After church, he comes in and goes, see, uh, preacher man. Got a problem with them two boys over there. I'll get my boys, we take care of it. I said, that's all right, Brother John. That's all right. These guys are good guys, no problem, but give me your phone number just in case. <laughs> John Blake, so he, he's living with his girlfriend. He's there for like two services, comes in my office. Okay, preacher man, what are we doing here? 
I hear you saying, oh, we can push jacking up and stuff. So what do we got to do? So Brother John, you got to split sheets, bro. You, she needs to, you guys need to find different places to live. He goes, okay, hey, you're out of here tonight. <laughs> now you put her on the street, you found her a place, got her a place to live, they split sheets. You know how many people I've seen with a BMW who come to our church who are living in sin and you tell them that and they're gone? They're gone because they don't think there's anything wrong with that. Thou shalt not commit adultery still in the Bible. John Plague is raw as 10 pounds of uncooked hamburger meat and he goes, yep, that's it. All right, preacher man, what else we got to do here? That was him. He wanted to get right in the middle of what he was supposed to do. And that's what we should be doing. You're going to battle for a bean field? You're not going to do it on the edges. You're not going to do it on the sidelines. You're not going to do it over here. You're going to get right in the middle of where you're supposed to be and stand up, stand up for Jesus Christ and give your place. Say, well, if I don't do that, what, do I, what are my options? Your options are stand and stand and having done all to stand. You get in the middle of that ground. Some people aren't going to like it. Some people will. <laughs> John Pelega was a guy who loved it. He loved that kind of church. And from a very difficult background, he, he, he's a jeweler. He built this ring for me. He's in heaven now. I preached his funeral. He used to run with the Hell's Angels. When I did his funeral, he was a businessman in our city, owned a jewelry store business. And... Uh, about 10 minutes before the funeral starts, all these people show up in their suits, business people, our folks from our church. All of a sudden I hear, here come 30 Hell's Angels down the road, pull into the parking lot. I go, ooh, we're gonna have a meeting today. And they walk up and the, my head usher goes, preacher, what do I do? I said, get him a seat, help him find a place to sit down. Don't aggravate him, but have him, have him a seat. <laughs> You know what, Those, that place was packed. There weren't enough seats for everybody. You know who stood in the back? The Hell's Angels did. Business brothers, they go in there with their little phone and all that, because the Hell's Angels stood in the back. So that's okay, Reverend, we'll stand back here. These people need seats. And that night, we had, that day in John Plague's funeral, we had bikers and we had bankers. Preached the gospel, and he told me he got ready, to, he died from exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam. He said, preacher, you preach my funeral, you preach, you preach it straight now. Got a bunch of people coming need to be saved. And we had a bunch of folks saved at that funeral, bikers and bankers who trusted Christ and got saved. <laughs> one story quick and I'll get out of here. John Plagan went to visit somebody one night and he had, a, he had a cockatiel he kept in his business in a cage. But this poor bird stood no chance. Because I stopped by his business one day, and I, his brother John goes, hey, preacher, look at, look at this bird here. I go, it's a cockatiel. He goes, uh-uh, watch this. He opens the cage. He grabs the bird and goes, oh. He sticks it head first in his mouth. And I go, and? <laughs> Pulls it out. He goes, he loves it. I go, nah, I don't think so, brother John. So he goes to visit this lady. Came to our church. <laughs> she had a cockatiel. And he, 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 she's talking to him and stuff. And he goes, hey, I got one of those. She goes, yeah, but I, I want to put him on my finger and pat him. But he bites me every time. I said, he goes, John goes, I can fix that. Opens the case, grabs the bird. Because it's like his head sticking out. He goes, okay, lady, here's what you do. You put your finger up here like this. And when he bites you, you just keep flicking in his head. He'll quit after a while. See, watch. Mm, pop, 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 pop. See that? The birds, you know. So he goes, one more time, watch. 
He put his finger up there and that bird got him right in the cuticle of his finger. He went, ah! And he popped the head off the bird. And he's standing there and it's going, boink, boink. And the lady's like. But John Belega, being the good man that he is, picks the head up and tries to screw it back on. He's a fixer, you know, he's a jewelry guy. I can fix this lady. Just hold on, lady, I'll fix this. All right, well, the head's backwards. I'm gonna turn it around. Lays in the cage, sorry, ma'am, hope you come back to church, walks out. You know, that lady never came to church again. People are so sensitive nowadays, it's unbelievable. You take your stand, my friend, you're gonna get in the middle of this thing, you better get right in the middle of it. Some people won't like it, uh, but some people will. But if nobody does, then you get right in the middle of where you're supposed to be and you take your stand for God. Amen. Last thing battling the bean field is this. You need to consider that the victory will come. There was a great victory wrought that day. God, hey, God wrought a great victory. A great victory came. God wrought a great victory that day. That's where victories come. Victories do not come from compromise. Victories do not come from backing down. Victories do not come from backing out. Victories do not come from giving in. That's where there's no victory in that. And again, there is no stopping place. Yeah, but Pastor Johnson, what happens if I take my stand? I mean, it could cost me a friend. I've never lost a true friend to the cause of Jesus Christ. I've lost some people I thought were friends of mine. But they were friends, look here, for me, not for him. Those kind of friends you make with that book right there, those are lifetime friends. They'll be friends for you the rest of your life because you have common ground of belief and practice. Hey? And God will bring victories. North Valley Baptist Church, this church here, Shasta Baptist Church, where I've been privileged, privileged to be pastor now for 36 years coming this Sunday. These ch churches like this, they're victories. Right? Come on, we're from California. To have an independent, fundamental, soul winning, separated, King James, Bible preaching, hellfire and damnation, pre-tribulation, temperamental Baptist church in California? Are you serious? However, doesn't look like God's not doing too bad around here. And in your life, your victories come from battling for being fields taking your stand, then God looks down and then God does what we cannot. Daniel purposes in his heart and they executed him. No, he became an influence over kings, empires. Now, can I promise you that kind of influence? No, but I can promise you this. You may have to go to the fiery furnace, but God will walk with you. You may have to go to a lion's den, but God will stop, calm the lions. You may have to stand on your own, but my friend, I guarantee you, you won't stand on your own because God will stand with you and victories will come. Lives will be changed. God's work will go forward. God will do mighty and great, exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And God wrought a great victory because a guy took his stand and battled for a bean field? Let's stand our feet, please, tonight. See, well, Pastor Johnson, it just seems to me like if we would just sort of back off and back down on some things, I just know people would just find it a little more palatable for what we believe. <laughs> no, you're wrong. No, I'm sorry. Can I give you one more example with his bowed eyes closed? Jesus Christ the perfect, sinless 
Son of God was crucified by his enemies. He took his stand and he went to the cross. Now we know he went to the cross for our salvation. But if you just look at it in a historical context, if I may word it in that fashion, Jesus took his stand and it cost him his life as far as the Roman government and the Jewish religion thought. So do you get it? If a perfect son of God had to pay a price to take his stand and do what's right, should you and I think any different? Well, I just think it would be better for us. No, that's your problem. You're thinking instead of believing. You're, you're rationalizing things out instead of looking at what does the Bible say we ought to do. Yes, there are doctrinal uh, beliefs and practices and precepts and principles that have greater priority than others. Not a problem. That's not a trade-off for anything. We don't have to be imbalanced about anything like that. But there will come beanfield experiences in your Christian walk, in your life, your work, your home, your community, your church. There will be beanfield experiences. And if you start giving ground, you'll never stop. There will be no stopping place. Shama stood his ground and God wrought a great victory. You know what happened? The people who fled came back. The enemy took off. God did something over a bean field. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.